0: Welcome to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This week in worship, Pastor Dana takes a look at questions and how questioning our faith can lead to a more abundant life. Let's listen.
1: This week, we are continuing on in our sermon series about the 40 days of abundant life. And this week, as we dive deeper into this topic, I'm going to make an argument. The argument that I'm making is that if we question and wrestle with God, it will actually help us to achieve abundant life. And I'm going to say that again, and I'm going to put it on the screen for you. I'm making the argument that giving voice to our questions and seeking answers to our theological unrest will draw us closer to God, therefore we will experience abundant life more fully. And I'll explain that a little bit more. All of us are on a faith journey. We're on a lifelong journey of truly unpacking what we believe, parsing out our theology and who we understand God to be, which means that there are times that we are gonna question God, we are gonna doubt what we believe, we're gonna have some doubts about the things that we read in Scripture and we're going to wrestle with how God moves and works in our lives and in this world. And if we take time to ask those questions, to give voice to the theological unrest, and to seek God in those moments, then God will hear us and respond. God will give us clarity, God will give us insight and understanding if we seek him in our questioning and wrestling. And as we gain that clarity and insight, And it helps us to draw closer to God. It helps us to understand why we believe a particular doctrine of our faith. It helps us to grow closer to God and therefore experience abundant life more fully. Now you may recall going through a situation like this in your own particular life. You may remember vividly a time where you really questioned God, where you wrestled with what you believed, where you doubted certain parts of your faith, or where you no longer knew what was true any longer. How did you feel during those moments? What were you questioning and wrestling with? Did you seek God in your theological unrest? Those can be deeply painful moments. It can be very hard to question and wrestle God. We actually call those moments a faith crisis. By definition, a faith crisis is a deep and painful questioning, a loss or a change in beliefs. It's a moment in time where you question things that you once regarded as truth. It's when a person feels that he or she no longer trusts God, or no longer feels compelled to follow Christ and there's different levels of a faith crisis right we can have a short questioning where we there's a couple of questions that rise to the surface but we feel like it resolves in a short period of time and there's also a longer type of faith crisis that we can experience where we question and we doubt for weeks and months even years or maybe we never gain clarity on a particular matter There's also several types of faith crises, ways in which we can experience that type of faith crisis. For instance, a person may have an intellectual faith crisis. This involves things like difficult church history or scriptural details. People experiencing this type of faith crisis will often express their frustrations using phrases like cognitive dissonance or I just can't reconcile this. Another example is an emotional faith crisis. This involves people who may have felt rejected or conflicted emotionally. Perhaps they had a traumatic experience with a trusted church leader, or they felt unloved, unheard, or disconnected from God or their church community. They will use words or phrases like, I have been hurt by the church, or I feel let down, or I just feel blank. Another example is something that we call shelving. This is where a person puts their faith on the shelf. They come across an issue that is troublesome or creates questions about their beliefs, and so they shelve it. They're perfectly content with living life without going any deeper to unpack what they believe. One other example of a faith crisis is by a traumatic event happening in our lives. Experiencing a painful event that would cause you to question, even doubt, where God is or how God could allow such a tragedy to occur. This morning we have a skit prepared for you to illustrate this type of faith crisis. To illustrate what it looks like to experience a traumatic event in life and begin to question and doubt.
0: Carol, how are you? Hello, Mary. Hello, Bob. I'm all right, I guess. Thank you for coming.
2: Of course.
0: Have you been in there yet? No, honey. We just got here. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. I guess I'm still not thinking too clearly. I, s- I still can't believe it.
2: I know. It's, it's just, it was.
0: It was just so sudden. It was such a shock for all of us. Yes. I I still don't think of him as gone. I keep thinking he'll walk through the door. (sighs) And that's that's what my heart thinks. But my head knows differently. And then I think about, what am I going to do now? It must be so hard. But you know, we're always here for you.
2: That's right. Anything you need, any time, just ask. We'll help you out any way that we can.
0: That is very sweet of both of you. Thank you. I'm just not sure that anyone has the answers that I need. What do you mean? I just keep thinking about how, what it was like at the end. The police said that it was instant. And I know Steve was a Christian. I know he's in a better place. I truly believe that. But how come when people tell me that, It just sounds so empty, like a cheap platitude. I know, I sound awful. No, not at all. It's just, I don't want him in a better place. I want him here with me. Of course, we all do. You know, I keep thinking about those people that have near-death experiences. The tunnel, the light, and everything. And I wonder, was it like that for Steve? Did he know what was happening? Uh, Was it peaceful, like those stories those people tell? I just want to know that it was peaceful. Why is that? Why am I thinking about that? It's so hard to tell what to think. I remember when my mother died, I had the strangest thoughts. The weirdest things kept going through my mind. I think it's pretty normal. I guess, but I feel like I should be crying or something, not thinking about these things. But I I can't help it.
2: You know, Carol, it was so sudden. I think it's going to take some time for you to sort it all out.
0: And you don't have to feel sorry about anything you're thinking. Even what I'm thinking about God?
2: God knows you're hurting, and he understands your grief and your anger
0: then why doesn't he do more to help? All this talk in the Bible about life after death, what about dealing with death in this life? What am I supposed to do now? I want to know that Steve didn't suffer. I want to know that it was peaceful. But most of all, I wanna know why did he have to go at all? Oh, Carol, I wish I knew what to say. Somehow, though, God has a reason for all of this. A reason? What kind of a reason can make up for this hurt? What kind of a reason can I give my children who have to grow up without their father? What, what reason? <laughs> oh, Carol.
2: Carol, we don't have all the answers, but I think it's good that you're willing to express your pain and to ask the hard questions and doubts that you have about God. I think that's a good place to start.
0: Come on, Carol, let's go
1: in. There are things that will happen in this lifetime that will rock you. They will shake you to the core. And what happens when we get shook to the core is that our faith gets shook, too. And if you have been fortunate enough to not experience a faith crisis that was spurred on by a traumatic event... And you are lucky. But at some point in this faith journey for all of us, there are questions that will rise to the surface. There will be doubts and questions where we will just want to understand a little more clearly what we believe and why. This is a normal part of the faith journey. Even the earliest believers experienced this. We hear about it in John chapter 6 verses 51 through 56. Jesus starts out by saying, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. When Jesus said this, he was talking to a crowd of Jewish Christians. And the people that he was speaking to, they responded in disbelief. They responded with questions and doubts. The very next verse, it says, Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They didn't believe what Jesus was saying. For those early Jewish Christians, as Jesus spoke of literally eating his flesh and drinking his blood, this conjured up images of cannibalism. For the early Jews, this caused questions to ensue about how this man could give them his flesh. Why would Jesus give them his blood to ingest? So then we see Jesus go in more detail. He tries to explain and be a little bit more clear about what he's actually saying. Verse 53 says, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. So it becomes clearer there, right? Now we are Easter people, we know that jesus died on the cross that he was resurrected he eventually ascended into heaven so when we read this passage this does not conjure up images of cannibalism for us we understand this passage to be pointing to the saving grace the saving action on the cross where jesus at just the right moment is swapping his life out for the life of all of humanity we understand this passage to underscore one central theological claim, the crux of what we believe as Christians, that Jesus came to give us life and to give us life more abundantly for all of eternity. For those early Jews, they didn't have all the puzzle pieces. They couldn't fully understand what Jesus was saying, and so they were asked to trust. They were asked to believe without seeing to believe without really knowing how good friday and easter morning worked and what it all meant and when asked to trust and believe in this way we see how the jews struggled how they wrestled how they didn't really believe in that central tenet of our faith it is a normal part of the faith journey to question and to have doubts many years ago i attended seminary in richmond virginia And I found my seminary experience to be very different from all of my other college experiences. I found seminary to be the most academically challenging program that I endured. And it was not only just academically challenging, but it was spiritually challenging. And it was emotionally draining and challenging. Seminary challenges you in a different way than any other college program because as you are studying and learning about your field of study, As you're learning more about God and theology, it simultaneously asks you to unpack and analyze your own faith. You are simultaneously unpacking what you believe, really defining the doctrines that undergird your faith and give you purpose and meaning. During my first year of seminary, I was enrolled in a theology class and an Old Testament class. And so I found myself reading these thick theological books until all hours of the morning and just learning more about the various doctrines of our faith. And as I was studying these various theologians and all of their varying theories about the doctrines of our faith, I was fascinated by them. But I was also deeply conflicted by what I was learning. For instance, one theologian whom I liked very much and who I resonated with would eventually end up contradicting another theologian who I liked and resonated with. And so they both would have very different perspectives about a particular doctrine. And so who was I to believe? Where was I to place my trust? Well, about halfway through my first year of seminary, after all of this theological discussion and debate, after reading about the many different theologians and their perspectives— I found myself in the middle of a faith crisis. Somewhere along the way, my personal religious views had become muddled by the overwhelming perspectives that I had read about and studied. And all of this conflicting information skewed what I had always known to be true. And so I found myself debating, even doubting, the central tenet of our faith. I found myself doubting whether the resurrection and the ascension of Christ ever happened, More specifically, I found myself wondering, how does Christ's death and resurrection pertain to me? Does it actually have some sort of power in my life? So in essence, I was having an intellectual faith crisis. Now this faith crisis coincided with the winter season, when everything is dead and lifeless outside, which matched how I was feeling inside. It is quite miserable to experience a faith crisis— to question the things that you had once regarded as truth so wholeheartedly. It is quite miserable to doubt and to question those things that had given you direction and had given you purpose and meaning in life. And on top of that, I felt like a flaming heretic. I felt like a fraud. Here I was a seminary student. I was receiving grants and scholarships to be ordained and to become a minister. And so the days and the weeks pressed on. And I didn't tell anybody about what I was thinking. I didn't tell anybody about what I was feeling. I was fearful. They would kick me out of school and derail my ordination track. And so I just walked through it alone. And I read more and more, trying to define and discern what it is that I believed and why. And so one day during the dead of winter, amidst the the middle of this faith crisis, I walk into the kitchen of my house. And I shared a house with several different people. And so one of my roommates walked in and she asked how I was doing. And so I told her I was, I was good, I was having a good day. And so I asked her how she was doing. And she said, Dana, I am not doing good. It's not good at all. And she said, I am having a faith crisis And I thought, oh my gosh, I am not alone. There's another person that's going through this too. And so I turn around and I'm getting ready to exclaim, me too, this is terrible. What are you struggling with? And before I said that, she said, yeah, I can't find my iPod anywhere. (laughs) She said, I've looked everywhere for this thing and I can't find it. And so the knot started to form in my stomach again. And I went back to feeling very alone in that whole ordeal. The months pressed on and spring finally arrived. Life was restored to our natural world. You could see flowers blooming and leaves on trees and the birds were chirping. There was happiness all around. And as I watched this transformation in our natural world, from the outside world transforming from winter to spring, from death to life, it was that very action that began to spur on my belief in Christ again. It made me realize that in just the same way that I didn't necessarily have all the answers or understand the inner workings of our natural world, how it can be so dead and lifeless for months on end, and then all of a sudden just spring back to life. that I also didn't have to have all the answers and fully understand the inner workings of Christ for that to be true as well. It made me realize that below the surface, from what we can see in our natural world, During those long, cold, snowy winter months, the trees, the flowers, the plants, they are still alive. They are still active. They are still waiting to bloom at just the right moment. And when spring comes, that's when we see these visible signs of what was actually going on below the surface, hidden from what our human eye can see. Likewise, with the resurrection of Christ, there are many things that we cannot see things that are hidden from our human sight and understanding, but it doesn't negate what is going on below the surface, below what the human eye can see. And we don't have to see it. We don't have to understand it and possess all of the answers to our questions to make it real and true because you can feel it. And I'll describe that a little bit more as well. When you are having a faith crisis, you feel dead inside. There is no other way to describe it. All joy, all happiness, all hope for a brighter future is gone. But the very moment that you start believing again, the moment that you start trusting that Jesus is who he says he is, there is life that starts to take place inside of you. You can feel it in the deepest parts of your soul. There is life and happiness that comes alive inside of you. There are things about our faith that we cannot see, things that we simply cannot understand, mysteries that we are asked to embrace. But what I can say and what I gleaned from that experience was that no matter if we can explain it or not, no matter if we have all the answers or not, Christ was and is and always will be the true source of life he is the only source of life or as John puts it in this passage Jesus is the living bread that came to give each of us life he came to give each of us abundant life in the here and the now and for all of eternity that was the central point Jesus was making in this passage we know that the early Christians wrestled with this notion they had a hard time believing what Jesus was saying And there are times when all of us will have questions. We will doubt parts of Scripture. We will wrestle with what we believe. There are times when we will go through hard and painful events in life. And we will question where God is, how God could allow such a a heartache to occur. I encourage you to embrace those moments to give voice to your questions, to run towards God, and to seek answers to your theological unrest. It may take time before you gain answers or before you have clarity of mind and heart, but what I can promise you is that with that exploration of faith comes a whole other depth in your relationship with God that you never would have known There is a deeper trust that will emerge, one that cannot be shook quite as easily, one that leads you further down the path of experiencing abundant life more fully. Amen.
0: If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church Podcast. Have a great week.